Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Lauren Ree, right here from the Lauren Ree Live Show. Uh, coming in from my home, everybody. And I got my boy, Jay the Gentleman, with me. What's up, Jay? What is up? Salutations. Um, I'm coming from my home as well. We're still doing the quarantine thing, but uh, happy to be back. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, beginning of the new year, um, been hitting the ground running since the holidays, and uh, we got a lot of really cool things coming up. So I'm just, you know, getting ready for the rollouts and yep. uh, just everything on the back end, but doing good. How are you? What's going on with you? I'm good. 2021 is, is, I'm just glad it's here, right? We made it. We survived 2020, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just excited to be back in the game. Um, I've missed this for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but we were very strategic about how we were coming back. So if you guys thought we were gone and we weren't coming back, got you. We, we were not. <laughs> we were quiet for a reason. We got some really good stuff going on. Um, and we got some good virtual events going on too. We can't wait for you guys to see it. But yeah. tonight, we have our first guest of 2021, Jay. Yes, it's and been I'm a while excited, over here. It's been a while, and I'm excited about this, because you guys know what we do here at Lauren Reed Live is we bring you guys all the movers and shakers in our tri-state area who have something great to talk about, positive to talk about, and bring you awareness. So, Jay, mm. I am going to let you give us a little bit of background about our guest tonight, and then we'll bring her on. Yeah, um, she's someone that I, I've known for a long time, uh, representing Temple. Uh, she's currently, <laughs> of course, but, um, you know, just recently she's been really heavy with the social media and really just kind of, uh, bringing awareness. And the reason why she's heavy on social media currently is because, uh, she's a cardiologist practicing in Philly. Uh, she's pretty much a temple lifer, did her undergrad medical school, um, at Temple uh, and fellowship at Temple, but also did her residency at Jefferson. Nice. Uh, she's four time board certified internal medicine, echocardiography, nuclear cardiography, general cardio, like it, it's oh, just so all she, the ology. She's official as a whistle. That's basically what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, she's always <laughs> been one of the smartest smartest people I've ever known. Okay. Uh, so she just she just got abbreviations and, and, and <laughs> initials all over the place. But um, she really focuses on women's health and uh, preventive care, which is very important, especially in uh, black and brown communities. Absolutely. And we're gonna talk about all that good stuff uh, later on in the episode. So, without further ado, I think it's a great uh, guest to start the new season. I want to welcome Dr. Natasha Fonseca. Okay, hold on. We're going to bring her right in right now. Of course, I'm having technical difficulties. Sorry, guys. All right. There we are. Thanks there she is. Me. <laughs> Welcome First to the show. No pressure. First guest of 2021. <laughs> no pressure at all. Trust me. We're getting back used to it as well. Absolutely. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know you're a busy woman, and I thought it was very important to have someone like you, a professional in the healthcare industry, talk about uh, something as specific as uh, cardiology and just healthcare in general especially for our communities that are affected by uh, different diseases that have to do with the heart and things like that. So thank you so much for being here. I really want to say thank you guys for having me on because it's such a big topic to break down. So what you guys are you know, doing with the community is wonderful. And that's something we should focus on and hopefully bring a lot of information to all your listeners and viewers. 
Yeah, we, def we definitely want to do that. Um, your first time here on Larry Live, we um, always like to talk to all the movers and shakers in our area, whether it's doctors, lawyers, authors, whoever, um, but always have a cause behind it. So when Jay told me that you are a cardiologist, I was like, this is really dope. We never actually had a doctor on the show before. Um, and specifically talking about, um, you know, cardiology, heart health, and women's heart health as well. Um, I was on your Instagram page talking to you before I like all my guys <laughs> right now. And you're so passionate about what you do. So my first question to you is, we're not going to go all the way back, right, about why you wanted to be a doctor. Because you got, you got it. You're here. So <laughs> why cardiology? So my mom actually has rheumatic heart disease because um, we're from Sri Lanka. So that's something that affects heart valves. Okay. So came here she needed a heart valve procedure and you know thanks to modern medicine she's been able to live a wonderful life and she's doing extremely well so that's part of why I want to do why I want to be a cardiologist and furthermore Southeast Asians are actually higher risk of heart disease than any other race mm. so it's important and there's a lot of people in my community who suffer from heart disease so it just it's like second nature to me like my dad has had a stand at age 52 so heart disease is just something that I'm so familiar with, and it's something that really deserves recognition. I've always just had a natural interest in cardiology. Nice. So you mentioned something about both of your parents having some issues with the heart. Um, is that something that is genetic, or did it have something to do with their health? I mean, like, you know, how they took care of themselves. Sure. Um, so, like I said, so there is a, a, a race component to it because of our culture, it's part of it's genetic, really. Like okay. the community, we've had very healthy young people who needed quadruple bypass and wow. it just runs in our, in, our, in our genes. With my mom, though, rheumatic heart disease, it came from rheumatic fever. So that's different. So it's not something she was born with. And in terms of my dad, you know, he was a diabetic. So there are some issues with diet and exercise and his component, but again, partly just hereditary, really. Yes. Wow. So I'm uh, not to, not to cut in, but um, I was just talking. You were talking about South uh, the South uh, Southeast Asian community, and me being biracial, half black, half Mexican. That I mean, they go through the heart, the heart diseases, and, and just at a high level as well. And that has to do with a lot, like culture and just the food and the culture and just uh, exercise habits and things like that. So. Um, again, it was one of the reasons why I really loved how you're being more vocal uh, as a professional on social media and really just kind of giving uh, information, not misinformation, which we're going to talk about later on in the interview or in the conversation, but also just kind of debunking myths about healthcare systems and how to really be preventable with heart diseases and things moving forward. Sure. I think you brought up a really good point in terms of, you mentioned something about food or eating habits or what have you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to what we consider healthy because that's not a topic that I want to talk about is food and health. What is healthy? Um, in my culture, we eat a lot of carbs. We mm -hmm. consider our diet to be really healthy. You know, traditionally growing up, my mom cooked, you know, I, I'm from Sri Lanka, so I lived there until I was like 12 years old. My mom would cook every day. Like we didn't, we didn't have a lot of processed food available. We didn't eat any you know, processed meat, you literally went to the butcher, got the meat, you walked to the beach to the fishermen. Okay, that's how mm -hmm. the food was. And then you go to the market every, you know, few times a week, and you literally get vegetables from 
little people like selling the vegetables. So there was no like, you yeah. know, whole food. Like a farmer's market, market sort of thing. So, yeah, it's exactly. And it's like you were going to McDonald's. It wasn't like that and everything. But even then, again, part's genetic, but part, if you really look at the diet, we go, oh my God, it's like a lot of the, you know, it's like carbs for breakfast, carbs for lunch, carbs for dinner, rice, you know, rice, people eat rice for breakfast sometimes. Right. I came to America and found out the serving size of rice. I thought it was a joke. I was like, my auntie would be offended if I, if this is the amount of rice I'm putting on my plate they will think I'm sick. Like, you know what I mean? Like we took piled on rice and we think of food as healthy. Like if you're sick, you just eat a ton. Mm -hmm. Pregnant, you eat a ton. Like it's all about just eat, eat and eat. And, um, you know, again, what, what you consider healthy is, is just, we have to first take a look at our diet and say, is this really healthy? The other day, um, I did a podcast with somebody about a nutritionist and I sat down and, and looked at my own diet and I said, Great, I cook at home, which is something I advocate for everybody. If we're going to say that we want to be healthy, you have to cook your own food, really. I said, wow, I really don't eat any fruits. Like, here I am, like, saying I want to be healthy. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I mean, I cook at home. You know, everything's not processed. But I just wasn't incorporating enough fruits or nuts, which is part of a balanced diet. I myself became healthy, I would say, in the last two years. I was wow. working. Yeah, I mean, if you really take a look and say, and obviously I wasn't eating burgers every day or eating like a whole thing of pizza, but that's, that's, not, un, that's not the only unhealthy thing, right? right. Well, that's sometimes how we equate what's healthy. It's like, well, I don't eat at McDonald's every day. Right, but you might still not be healthy. Right. I was working as a fellow, we used to work like 80 to 100 hours a week. Every other weekend I was working and I would eat out all the time. And when you finally realize like what goes into different, you know, you're eating a soup out and you think, wow, this is delicious. This is healthy. It's a soup. Well, it might have a lot of heavy cream in it. It might have a lot of salt in it. Now that I cook my own food, I'm like, wow, how much butter will goes into that? Or maybe that's why broccoli tasted so good at whatever restaurant, because maybe right. they put a lot of butter and nice, delicious. Yeah. So there's a lot of that that goes in. So I think being active is a really an active process. Like if you have to be actively thinking about whether you're being healthy. Um, and, and to me, it's an active process. So every day or once a week, I meal prep. I don't like cooking. I do it because I have to. I do it because I preach it. And then saying, am I eating enough vegetables? Am I really eating food that I can identify? Am I, am I cooking pre-made pre meals or am I really eating at home? So, yeah. So you talked about something um, about cultural. Um, you know, being a part of, of my culture, everything my family does is surrounded by food. Like when we get together, somebody's cooking or we're meeting out at a, um, a restaurant or whatever the case might be, but mostly it's like home cooked food and my mom can throw down, all my aunties can cook, everybody can cook, right? Um, and it is a cultural thing, um, you know, especially in the black community as well. That's how people got together. That's how they expressed and shown love um, is through through food, but in, in correlation, uh, we we are high at risk for diabetes and high blood pressure and those different things. How do you think, um, especially in the Black and Brown community, should, can we go about changing the mindset of what food really looks like? And it doesn't have to be fried to be healthy. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It can be healthy without it being fried. Things of that nature. Like, how do we push that out to our communities? 
Well, as somebody who traveled the world quite literally, what, right out of fellowship, I took time off and traveled the world. Every culture, there's food involved. Food is important to every single culture. In terms of how, you know, how, in Sri Lankan culture, like how do I make sure my food is healthy and how do I make sure that your food is healthy? Um, to me, I advocate for balance. I want you to enjoy your auntie's meal. Like I don't want you to tell your auntie to bake it and not fry it if that's what she wants to do. It's just about being in control of what actually goes into your mouth and how often you're doing it. When my mom cooks, I'm, Sri Lankan food is like my kryptonite. I can, I can eat three plates of rice, no, no problem. You know, <laughs> If I know I'm gonna do it, I know it's not healthy for me, I just make sure the week before and the week after, I really watch what I eat. There's, no one can tell me not to enjoy my mom's food we all know our parents aren't going to be around forever. So it's like always special to me when she cooks for me and I go all out. I'm telling you, <laughs> people are like, wow, the third plate. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that I don't do it that often. <laughs> so it's about like being mindful of what you're eating to me is the most important thing. So when I work with my patients in terms of, you know, healthy choices, let's talk about all these different diets that are out there. I mean, it's like, I can't keep up with the number of diets, whether that's the paleo, the keto, the vegan, the this, the whatever. The first thing, I, I don't really recommend one particular diet per se, because who am I to tell you what to do, what not to do? I, I have to find a balance for my patients, because if I don't, you're going to fail. Like you might lose a pound or two because you're so strict for the first few weeks or so, but it's just not sustainable. I've been there, I've done that, even with my own weight, you know, yo-yoing, whatever. What I do is have them, I have these forms that I've made and I have something called a food log where I have them keep a log for themselves. Because actually one of the first things I do with my patients, I go, you know, do you think you eat healthily? They go, of course, I eat fruits and vegetables and fish and, you know, and then they bring the log and they go, wow, I didn't realize how much, how many sweets I was eating, or I didn't realize how much I was truly eating. And they make the choice for themselves what they're going to cut out and not. It really starts with saying, do I understand my food ha or has the food industry lied to me? Back in, you know, when we first came to this country, um, you know, again, we, I didn't come from a culture with a lot of, we didn't have like pre-made orange juice or, or grape juice or apple juice or hot pockets or lean pockets. We just didn't have that in our country. Um, I remember not knowing how to read food labels. Mm. I This is sad, but I'll admit it. I remember... I gained weight when I first came here because I think I was like eating a ton of candy because back in the day, we just didn't have like the type of candy that you guys have here. You know, it's like all mm -hmm. these cool packaging. I'm like, and I think I gained like, I don't know, 20 pounds or something as a teenage girl. <laughs> and then I remember looking in the back of a food label. And again, in Sri Lanka, we just didn't have food labels again, because we didn't have a lot of packaged food back in the day. Things are a little different now. I, you know, every country has been very becoming modern. There's plenty of McDonald's and Pizza Hut's in Sri Lanka now, but I remember eating um, Kellogg's cornflakes, you know, the really sugary stuff. And I'm like, oh, it's 0% fat, so it won't make me fat, so I'm gonna eat this. Like, do you know how much sugar is in that? Like literally when you get to the bottom of that thing, it's like all white stuff, it's like all sugar. Mm -hmm. Just not, being, not knowing what goes in it. Like I have people who um, get really frustrated that they're not losing weight or they're not getting healthy. And it's like, well, what do you eat for breakfast? Oh, I don't eat breakfast. Okay, well, what did, 
what did you have? And he's like, oh, well, I went to um, Dunkin' Donuts and I had, you know, a coffee and a, and a bagel. And I'm like, or a muffin, they say. I'm like, well, that's, that's breakfast level. Like how many calories are in it? Probably more than what we should be eating for breakfast to begin with. And then not realizing the amount of syrups that go into your Starbucks or um, Dunkin' Donuts drink or whatever the case may be. It's so important. So I really start with just recognizing what goes in your mouth and being honest with it. That's where I start. Um, it's, it's kind of fitting that you're here, um, especially uh, February is American Heart Month. And uh, one of the big things that you wanted to basically talk about when you do your content online on your Instagram and things like that um, is just bringing awareness to heart disease. And I kind of want to get more into that as far as um, what are some uh, information that uh, people could kind of retain that's not too, you know, medical where they're kind of lose interest, but just something that they could kind of keep a mindful of whenever they go out to eat or exercise or just to kind of um, self-care themselves. Because I think there's like a big renaissance with, with healthcare, especially self-care. And people are really trying to um, pretty much prevent them to have to go to the doctor, you know, in, in, yeah. in, in a sense. So I guess kind of like, what are some ways that people could really, um, take care of themselves besides the obvious stuff, but kind of more in depth in, in, that, in that situation. Sure. So I want to first ask Lauren a question. Now, again, 2020 is a different year, so your answer can change. But what do you think was the number one, and again, keeping current events in mind, but what do you think was the number one cause of death in 2020? Well, I want to say COVID, but um, I have heard that heart disease is uh, one of the biggest silent killers. So I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with heart Didn't disease. Even in 2020. I'm going to still say heart disease. <laughs> you got it. Yes. Hey. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, maybe she read one of my posts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the interesting things I want to talk about is how we don't talk enough about heart disease. I mean, yeah. so we talk about, you know, the COVID, whatever, but we don't talk enough about heart disease. So I, I think this is a, a wonderful topic. The, in terms of pointers that you want to take home is as follows. There are a lot of silent killers, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, kidney disease, and even diabetes. Believe it or not, even a heart attack can be silent. Mm -hmm. Point number two being that is just because you, don't, you feel healthy, may not mean that you are in fact healthy. Mm. Unfortunately, it is important that you do the appropriate screening and unfortunately that does require a physician. What I think is frustrating about this country is that there's a lot of people who talk about preventive care. Well, then why is it not at least free for just some preventive care for our citizens? Like I think that is tragic, okay? Mm. So in terms of if you do have health insurance, I do advocate people use it because a lot of people who maybe have employers who pay for health insurance, they don't use it because they, you know, they feel fine or they feel healthy. Uh, the number of patients I see who thought they were healthy or just something routine happened. I mean, I see a lot of diseases being uncovered, even arrhythmias, heart valve issues, valves, heart valve issues that they were born with that they never knew, you know, occurred. The disease pathology that's out there is crazy. And you won't know it unless you go looking for it. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the third thing is, let's say you don't have health insurance, because a lot of people really don't. I think it's, again, really tragic, the cost of healthcare and co-pays and such that people have to pay. Um, 
the most likely diseases that you can get are like high blood pressure and high cholesterol. For high blood pressure, let's say you think you're at a risk for high blood pressure because your mom or dad or have high blood pressure. Let's just make that as an example. Keep in mind that you could technically get a blood pressure cuff from CVS or something like that to check your own blood pressure at home. Mm. That's, I mean, it's like 30 or $40. Uh, but secondly, let's say you just want to prevent any, prevent heart disease or prevent high blood pressure. Well, there are several natural ways of doing that. And one of which is decreasing your salt intake. We all know that we eat actually a ton of salt. So the American Heart Association um, estimates that we eat about 3,200 um, milligrams of salt a day, and they recommend less than 2,400 milligrams of salt. So being aware of what goes into your food and how much salt is in it is so important. Um, salt is also called NA if you look in the back of a food label. Um, some people have been fooled or tricked into thinking like Himalayan salt is more healthy or well, they don't, or I have people who say, well, I don't eat extra salt. And I go, well, what do you eat? And then they name a bunch of processed food that already has salt in it. Mm -hmm. well, they're really proud of themselves for not eating salt. And I go, well, what did you eat last night? They go barbecue chicken. I'm like, well, was that, did that have barbecue sauce? They go, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> little things like that. So another interesting case is I had this patient who came in freaking out. Um, she had always checked her blood pressure at home. She didn't even have high blood pressure. So she comes in and she's upset because her blood pressure is now 160 over 90. And she's like, I don't know what happened. Now it's high. And lucky for me, she'd been coming to the doctor regularly. So I could see as proof. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like all these are normal. So what's going on now? So I'm asking all these questions. I'm like, well, is there extra stress in your life? And she goes, no, no, mm. no. And she's like a very petite lady, you know, whatever. So then out of nowhere, oh, and then thing out of nowhere, she volunteered that she had just become vegan. And I'm like, well, that's great. She goes, and I'm vegan. Like, why is my blood pressure so high? Long story short, she was sauteing all of her vegetables with soy sauce. Ah. Salt in it. And so was, to me, it was so, it, it, it just shows, it's a great example of like what goes in your mouth that you don't realize is perhaps unhealthy. Um, in terms of, it, it was nice to be able to control her blood pressure without any medications and say, clearly it's this, because clearly your blood pressure has been good up until this point, and here we go, you know? Right, so right. That was really impactful. Um, in terms of getting more physical activity. And I think whenever I ask this question, mm. a lot of people say, oh yeah, I, 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 I'm always moving, right? Like we are moving, but we're, we're not. Cause we get, like even for me, let's talk about me. So I wake up, get in my car and I go to my office and I am standing around a lot. I'm exhausted when I come home, but I'm literally going patient room to patient room. It's not a lot of moving. I feel like mm -hmm. so, but it's not a lot of moving. So for me, I actively go on the treadmill or the bike or whatever to get my physical activity in. I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to the gym, obviously, because of COVID now, but we have to find a way to actually move and move our bodies. Uh, our bodies were really meant to move, not meant to sit around as much as we do. Um, those are things I would say would, that you could easily do at home to keep yourself healthy. Yeah, I mean, you definitely broke my heart <laughs> because I love seasoning. I love sleep. Um, but I did have to, like, change a lot of my bad habits last year. That's something I really focused on um, as I get older is just really yeah. watching what I eat, cooking more, uh, exercising, things like that. So, um, Lauren, you have something to say? Yeah, so um, I love that we're transitioning and talking about some of your patients. So um, just to give you my story a little bit, 
Uh, last year, I was at a specialist for something else, and I was going in for um, a, a slight procedure. And you know, they were doing their routine check before I was going in for my procedure, and they were taking all my vitals. So the uh, the nurse was kind of quiet when she was just like, "Oh, maybe you're just nervous, you know." You got a little bit of rapid heart rate. And I was nervous, right? Um, and so she was like, I'll let you calm down for a second. I'll come back and I'll check you again. And she comes back, checks me again. I guess my vitals were still high, my blood pressure. So she was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to the doctor to see if this is something that we should do today. Um, and the doctor, uh, he came in himself. He took it again. It did drop a little bit. Uh, but they did say after my procedure, um, maybe you should check in with your, uh, your primary uh, because your, your blood pressure is kind of high um, and your heart rate was high. So, you know, my audience knows this. I do suffer from anxiety and, um, and I have decided to treat it in a holistic way, basically um, not being medicated for it. So in that particular situation, I left there thinking, oh, I was just really nervous about what was about to happen. But um, I still went with their advice of calling my primary doctor. And I went to see my primary doctor, and lo and behold, he, he discovered the same thing, that my blood pressure was very high. So he was just like asking me a series of questions. What's going on in your life? Are you stressed about anything? What are you eating? And because of COVID, I'm going to be honest with you, in quarantine, I kind of was just, I've been cooking a lot of my own food, good food, but also kind of vegging out and eating what I want. So I'm like, well, maybe it's just because I've gained weight, whatever. And so he gave me like a little bit of a trial period. Like, I don't want to push you on medication. Let's see if we can drop some pounds. Let's try to change your eating habits. Come see me in three weeks and let's see what's going on. Uh, went back, same thing. They gave me an EKG at the time. Um, and the results from it, um, they told me that I should go and see, um, get an echogram. I'm, I hope I'm saying that correct. An echocardiogram. Uh, echocardiogram, yeah. So. Um, Went and got that done and everything came back great. But they still said that um, I had, I, they diagnosed me with high blood pressure. So um, that's kind of what I'm dealing with at this, um, at this stage in my life, which is kind of, it was very disheartening at first. Like I'm, I'm 36, I'll be 37 this year. Um, I don't feel like I'm super, super overweight or obese, obese but if you look at the BMI chart, I probably am. <laughs> um, and I don't feel unhealthy. And so to hear high blood pressure and for them to actually start me on a med medication really kind of like hurt my feelings, but honestly, because I would just feel, I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? So I guess my question for you, um, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. Um, but I've heard these myths that once you start high blood pressure medication, it's really hard to come off. Um, is that a myth or is that something that you would say to be true? Well, let me, if I may ask, how high was your high blood pressure? Uh, the highest it's been that, I, that I've seen it been is, um, it sounds crazy to say, but it was like, I, I believe the, the, the top number was uh, like a 140 or a 150. And the bottom number was like an 80. Sometimes at one time it was 90, maybe. Um, what, what what's generally the baseline for I guess normal heart rate if that's even a thing? Like where, where what's kind of like the the standard I guess? 
So the normal blood pressure is like less than 120, less than 80 on the bottom. Um, okay. That's what we strive for. Um, the, the hypertension guidelines did change. So anything over 130, 130, we do consider that to be hypertension technically, but we don't start medication. So if you're 132, 134 as a young individual, we would really start to say, hey, we're heading in the wrong direction. Let's make some changes. Um, about 140 is really when you start medications. That all the, you know, obviously we're not giving medical advice on this show, just some educational mm -hmm. stuff. I really do tailor my recommendations towards the person. If somebody is already on a lot of medications or depending on how old they are, we may not really push for that goal of 120 systolic, which is the top number. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your story. I mean, again, I think this is how we start the discussion by saying, hey, look at what's wrong with me. Let's make it really relatable. And that's why I felt really comfortable talking to you guys about how unhealthy I myself have been. It's something that I actually haven't even said out loud to anybody, but let's talk about it, right? That's what, that's why you're doing this show. Um, in terms of high blood pressure, you're not alone in being, in feeling like, what did I do wrong? And I, and I don't want you to think that way because it's nothing that you did wrong. It's nothing that you could have changed probably. In African-Americans, it's very common for me to see a lot of high blood pressure. A lot of African-Americans who don't take care of themselves, who don't end up taking high blood pressure medications because nobody wants to take medications, end up on dialysis, for example. So I have a lot of patients who are on dialysis, usually from uncontrolled high blood pressure, which then results in all these other things. In terms of medications, sometimes, mm -hmm. some, like, let you know, from what I'm seeing in you, you do not look obese. I mean, we don't care about, I don't care about the BMI chart. I mean, I, I don't know if you have muscle mass or what have you. Um, sometimes losing weight does help bring the blood pressure down, but not always. I have people who are thinner than me who have high blood pressure. I have people who've been vegan all their life who have high blood pressure. Part, part of this is genetic. Um, in terms of medications, you're right. It, it, it doesn't feel good to be on a medication, especially when you're thinking I'm 36 my God, do I have to really be on this medication lifelong? Um, some people do come off of them, but truthfully, that's not too many people. What I tell people is we are, you know, whatever you believe, whether you believe we're created or evolved, aliens, whatever the case may be, something's got to give. Like we're not meant to live to 80, 90, 100. You know, the average age of us living is getting longer and longer, and that's partly due to modern medicine. But we all come with some sort of fail-safe mechanism that something's going to take over, um, whether you're healthy or not. The way, another way to think of it is that there's billions and you know, trillions of people who walk this earth now. No one's lived to you know, like 120 years old or something. I don't know what the oldest of you know, who's lived the longest or whatever, because something, no matter how healthy you are, something's got to give. And some of that is stuff like high blood pressure and these little things that develop over time. So mm -hmm. I feel hopeful in terms of, I feel hopeful that you won't let high blood pressure um, lead to all the other bad stuff that it could lead to. Um, so focusing on the things that you can control, but then saying there are factors that are beyond my means that I can't control. Therefore, I need this medication. That's how I'd approach it. But you're right. You're, you're not the only person to feel really disappointed when you get first diagnosed with something because it's like, what did I do wrong? And honestly, 99% of the time, it's nothing you did wrong. So as a woman, right, because we talk about, um, I know that heart disease is, a, is also really huge in women. Um, 
what are some preventative things or things I should be looking out for if like, hey, because my, 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 let me say this, my primary care doctor hasn't said, hey, I need you to go see a cardiologist regularly. I don't know if that's right or wrong, um, but um, I have my normal checkups with him. And, but for women, what do you think is something that we should be looking out for with some preventative things that we could be doing? I know you talked about um, food related things and exercise, but symptoms wise, or should I be looking for something where I should say, hey, do I need to, um, you know, call up Natasha and set an appointment to go see a cardiologist? When does it go to another level? So I love that you have, it sounds like you have a really phenomenal primary care doctor. The way he treated you is exactly the way I treated you, uh, that I would have treated you. I do not think you need a cardiologist, which is a good thing, okay? It's good to not need a specialist. You can always stop by a specialist if you ever have a question. As a woman, I think a lot of women um, have atypical symptoms, or what I find is that women are told that they're crazy, and I don't like that. I'm not saying any type of person or any it's not like male versus female doctor kind of thing, but a lot of females feel like they are not going to be heard and they're afraid to go to a doctor because they are like, well, I'm feeling funny and I maybe can't put it into words. But if you're feeling something, advocate for yourself. And I'm a huge women advocate. Sometimes people come in and they're like, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I swear, I'm like, First, I'm, I stop. I'm like, I don't think you're crazy. Tell me what's going on. Because oftentimes women will turn to their, you know, male spouse or whatever, or other people, family members, and they're told, no, you're crazy. It's in your head from just family members. And, mm-hmm. and as women, I don't think men get told that way. Because I don't have a man who comes in and says, you're going to think I'm crazy. Or my wife thought I was crazy. Or, you know, I, I, but I get it a lot from women. Advocate for yourself. Advocate for your body. If, if you, and again, but at the same time, you know, you can't, not everybody can come in with chest pain and think they're having a heart attack and, and, and demand a heart catheterization. Like that's also not going to, I'm not going to work. Um, um, but if you feel like something is wrong and somebody's not listening to what you have to say, you got, you got to keep advocating for yourself. That's what I would say. Nice. Yeah. Have- I mean, I, I think, I think as far as with men, um, it's kind of different cause it's kind of like, um, it's almost like, oh, just man up sort of thing. So we don't really, like, if something is ailing us, it's kind of like, oh, I'll be fine. Or I just got to sleep, like, sleep it off. But I think that's probably why there's the disconnect in that kind of, in that kind of situation. That's a whole other issue because they don't think. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Right. But um, with, with talking with um, heart disease and, and just awareness, um, I feel like, especially, again, within certain communities, especially the African-American or even the Latino or even, uh, you know, Southeast Asia, whatever community, um, there's certain um, issues when it comes to healthcare and the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's it's obviously a separate entity, but it's kind of all related because there, there are myths or there are things that keep people from going to doctors, from going to specialists. Uh, whether it's just, you know, generational um, myths that they're just like, oh, I don't need no doctor or just like they don't trust it or something. So can we kind of just dive into the healthcare system and, and what kind of awareness you're trying to bring uh, and bring some enlightenment to, to, that, to that topic? Well, I think healthcare in this country absolutely sucks. All right. Okay. Let's start right there. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I mean, you're the you're the doctor, right? What do I know, right? <laughs> um, 
the reason healthcare sucks is because we've there's so many barriers over barriers over barriers that we put for people and it, we made it hard for people to get the care we made it hard for people to get healthy and then we blame people for not being healthy how does that work mm. out tell me like in terms of let's talk about insurances alone like i can't even figure out what insurances that i take because i'm like wait what which ones again it's like oh this company but not this plan and this plan it's hmo but not ppo and i'm like i can't keep up with any of this stuff you know right keep up with this nonsense so there's different type of insurances there's deductibles there's also donut holes okay every time my ma comes in he's like patient can't be on this medicine now and i'm like why not they're like well it's a hundred some dollars and i'm like it's fine before what is it now and they're like well they're in the donut hole and i'm like the what donuts (laughs) the donut (laughs) the donut hole it's what it's called when like they fall out of this prescription coverage time area. Like, I don't know, every insurance oh. has come up with all these like gimmicks. It's like all these gimmicks to make sure people don't get healthy. Like uh, co-pays, like, for t- let's talk about co-pays. Like some people have $50 co-pays, $60 co-pays, $70 co-pays to see their doctor. That's a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. I remember when $20 was a lot of money for my family. So even when I see $20 copay, I'm like, well, I don't understand why you have to pay $20 and your health insurance company. Like, I don't, I've seen the highest I've seen in terms of copays is $150. And I'm like, that's paying $150, you might as well be cash pay. Like, why are you? Right. Why am I going to, but so there you go. Why am I going, going to the doctor if I have to pay $150? If it's going to be between that and me feeding my family, I'm clearly not going to the doctor, right? That's a lot of extra money. And then it's like, um, absolutely, especially if you're healthy. Like, to me, honestly, like, um, the healthier you are, um, even if you're healthy, you should go to the doctor. Follow-ups are phenomenal. Like, that's when I uncover a lot about a patient. Like, if a patient comes to me with, let's say, chest pain, we really start focusing on the chest pain because we all have limited amount of time with patients, too. So there there goes the other issue is the time. Right, right. whenever they do, I'm very thankful to have like a phenomenal patient panel who just do follow up. But when they do follow ups, I start chipping away at them little by little, because I'm thankful that they're here just to say hi to me, really. So then I start looking at their old records. And I'm like, well, you know, you had this weird abnormality. Did you ever follow up? Like I get to have those kinds of conversations because my job is to take care of all of you, not just the heart, right? But I get to then dig through labs. And I'm like, oh, your cholesterol was really high a few years ago. We need to recheck this or your kidney function is creeping up. So the follow-up visits are really when you zoom out and look at the patient as a whole, when you come in for a problem visit, I have to focus on the problem. But the way Mm -hmm. the healthcare system is set up, we're not rewarding people for being healthy. We're not rewarding people for coming just for just a regular checkup, regular visit. And people are really turned off to that. In terms of, again, saying why I think healthcare sucks is um, there's different tiers of healthcare. You know, there's a tier one provider, tier two provider, tier one medication, tier two medication. Um, there's in-network, in out-of-network, secondary insurances. I don't even know how any of that like really plays a part to it. There's prior authorizations, the amount of times that I fight with insurance companies. The other day, um, I had to fight with the insurance company and I'm like, but this is such a routine medicine. Like, why are they even asking for extra paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then I look in the chart, I'm like, this patient's been on it for like five years. Like, why am I now filling out paperwork saying that he or she needs it? Like, it that's makes so, no sense. That's so crazy that you said that. It took me a month to get my appointment for my um, echocardiogram 
because my doctor and my health insurance were going back and forth of whether I should have this. And he's like, dude, like her EKG says she needs to have this done. And they're like, is it like really that serious? Life threatening. <laughs> yeah. Like, is, is, she, is she like about to die tomorrow? Is she about to die? If not, then now nah, we're not going to cover it. Right. And, and be clear about something. I still got a bill. So like, it was like, and not and not on a small bill. It was a hefty bill too. So it was it was, like, it was a Bill Clinton. It was, <laughs> it was a couple, couple hundred dollars. It, it, correct. Yeah. I was kind of like, so you took me a month to get me this appointment, and then I still had to pay about three hundred dollars for this procedure to get done, and I still pay for insurance. And I just would like to say, because you know, my full time job gives me really good benefits, and I pay a, I purposely pay the higher plan so I can get the the better of the benefit. And I'm just like, are y'all kidding me right now? Like, at this point, why are you even paying for help? Like, you might as well just be paying out of pocket. Like, it, I, I, that's why I think, again, how frustrating this is. Because imagine how helpful that echocardiogram was to you. I advocate for, like, to me, if somebody said, I want to get an ultrasound of the heart, I'm like, it's reasonable as long as it's, like, not overused. So obviously, we never want to overuse testing and such. Perfect. But if it was an EKG and a doctor who said, listen, I want to take a look at your heart, you deserve that. Because we've uncovered there's, I mean, I don't want to bore you guys with like a med school lecture, but there's so many diseases that are hereditary that we've caught that like, or hereditary, but you might not know that your mom, dad, grandma, nobody else had it. There's so many things that you could just be born with that we uncover in these routine testing all the time. So like you said, it, it's just crazy that for an echocardiogram, it's very routine. Like we do them plenty. It's not one of those things like MRI of the brain or something crazy like that, or a PET scan, which are more specialized testing that maybe you only have at certain facilities or something. I mean, it, the fact that your doctor even had to fight over that. So to cool. me, that's why I think healthcare just sucks because we don't, haven't made it easy for people to get the basic care that they need and so I, I wanna I wanna segue I'm glad you mentioned that um so as a doctor what are some of the uh you talked a little bit briefly about how you have to talk to these insurance companies about getting patients uh whether it's uh medicine or whatever what are some myths that you could kind of debunk that have to do with you specific like doctors specifically hospitals whatever yeah. and insurance companies and things like that so one of the biggest myths that go on is one of the things I see on social media is about doctors getting paid to prescribe medications. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that is not true as I'm living in like a townhouse. <laughs> not a <laughs> I mean, um, we don't get money to prescribe medications to you. Back in the day, we used to have um, they're like pharmacy or pharmaceutical representatives who'll come over and talk about their medication, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, like sometimes I'm able to get them to give me free samples so that again, right. is in a donut hole or, or they just need some help covering for a few months or something. I have a free, free samples to give out to my patients. Mm. Um, so we do get pharmaceutical reps who'll come and talk about their medication and they'll just talk about the new research that's out there, blah, blah, but we don't really particularly care whether they're there or not, the way we prescribe medicine is the way we prescribe medicine. The second myth is the idea that we really, as physicians, don't focus on the whole body. Mm. Um, again, I see this a lot on social media because there's a lot of people who push their own diets, agendas, pills, vitamins, whatever you want to call it. And um, the idea that, you know, it's we attend to the root cause or we look at the patient as a whole. Well, so right. do the, like we literally... I went to school for four years learning all of medicine, 
I remember being on my psychiatry rotation being like, do I really want to be here? I'm going to be a cardiologist. You know, why do I need to learn the brain? Well, guess what? Because the brain and the heart are related too. They're all connected. Yeah, <laughs> so it's all connected. connected. So you really don't get to get away with, you know, one thing or the other. And, um, so and just to really quick go off that point, sometimes your mental health um, affects your stress levels and kind of gets everything going, does it not? Thank you so much for bringing that up. People don't talk about mental health enough. This year, I've checked in with each and every one of my patients. I say, how are you doing and how are you handling this pandemic? Because mm -hmm. mental health is directly related to many conditions, including your gut. We live with a lot of stress. And what I tell people, you know, a lot of, a lot of people I deal with, they want to kind of get back to the nature of things. Again, nobody wants to be on medications. Everybody's like, well, back in the day, nature, like they only had plants and and I'm like, yes, but now we live in a different world where we have man-made stresses that we weren't created or evolved to handle. Right, right. I mean, I had a patient who was elderly, going to undergo a huge procedure, open heart surgery. She's scared. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I think you're going to be okay. You have one of the best surgeons working on it. She's like, I'm not scared of dying. And I'm like, uh-huh. She goes... I'm scared of like what happens when I die. Like, do, like, do I have all my death stuff ready? Like, do I, there were all these like weird family things and she wasn't like, well, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like I hear, I thought she was she, about doing anything else, but her, her will. <laughs> he was like, crap. Like, you know, wanted to make sure certain things happen. I mean, her dynamic was a little different, but like she, instead of, being afraid of death, which is what I thought it was going to be. She was like, do I have enough money to die? Which is right. a question in America. I mean, honestly, she's like, well, what about my house? It's like, it's somebody's name, like beneficiaries. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I have no idea where to even start. And even dying is expensive in this country, right? Yeah, so, we, we actually we actually had uh, Tiff, uh, her, uh, Lauren's best friend, talk about uh, insurance policies yeah. and all that stuff. So we already covered that. We, it's, it all, it's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. It's crazy because um, I talked about this on in a show last year about how um, we talk about mental health a lot on this show and the pandemic uh, kind of like bought my anxiety out of retirement. <laughs> like it's all, it's still there, but it was kind of like, it was very much heightened. And I started having panic attacks again because all I was watching on TV was COVID, 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 COVID. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You know? And it was just kind of like, and then I could feel the effects of it because, I mean, I don't know if anyone here has experienced anxiety attack or, you know, a panic attack, but it feels like you're having a heart attack almost like, like mm -hmm. your heart is beating un uncontrollably. I'm sweating. I'm just like, oh my God, like what is going on? And um, we don't talk about how it's all interconnected. And, and I think that especially last year with all the stuff that has been going on, not just the pandemic, we just had a lot of stuff going on that, mm -hmm. um, we have to talk about those stress-related things too and how to, you know, eliminate stress because it can definitely affect your health. You said something about your gut too because um, a lot of when people stress out a lot, people don't understand like how much, um, you know, like toxins we take into our body and different things of that nature. And we're just not letting off enough endorphins just to kind of like distress. So I, for one, know all about like how the stress affects it all. Um, and it's very scary. So the mental health part of it, we need to talk more about. And I think sometimes our regular doctors don't want to touch the mental health piece of it because they're like, that's not, my, that's not our lane. 
I think it's hard to talk about mental health, mainly because there's just not enough time set for the family doctors to talk about it, which I think is tragic. Um, I approach mental health all the time because I'm a huge mental health advocate. So again, I talk about how are you feeling this pandemic? How is this affecting you is, is the question I ask. It's hard to say like, are you depressed? Like, you know, obviously you can't say something like that and, and get to the bottom of it. But again, just seeing how people feel in terms of your mental health actually affecting your entire body. I mean, there are actual diseases like irritable bowel syndrome could be something that's triggered by anxiety and stress. Oh, wow. We also have certain heart conditions like POTS or postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. There's some relationship with some mood disorders or um, what's called inappropriate sinus tachycardia. So when we say talk about, and Takasubo, by the way, there's actually something called stress-induced cardiomyopathy because we know that stress mm. do that. So when I say the heart and mind are connected, again, um, it's not just like, well, we think it's connected. No, there's actual diseases that have been, un that are, we've uncovered yeah. that are related. High blood pressure, there's a relationship to stress. So um, yeah, they're all very real. What, what are some other, um, I guess, barriers or if there are any other myths or misinformation that you want to kind of clear up now? Um, hmm. I guess to reiterate, um, thinking that because you're healthy, there's nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real big misinformation that actually affects a lot of families. So I'll give you an example. Um, had a, uh, a child of a patient call me freaking out. Dad wasn't doing well. And uh, uh, the daughter goes, well, he was, he was so healthy before he went to the hospital. And then, and then he went to the hospital and now he's not eating and drinking. He just looks so sick. Like something happened in the hospital. He's so sick now. And he wasn't sick before. He was so healthy before. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Can't, couldn't have been that healthy if we went to the hospital. Like, let me get to the bottom of it. So I, I log into our screen and I'm like, well, actually, we had high blood pressure, we had diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney issues. Like, this person really wasn't really healthy. And um, what'd you say? I mean, it sounds like he wasn't healthy at all. <laughs> but let me actually just say, even my own story, when my mom, again, so we, we don't recognize when our family members are are sick sometimes so what i find sad is like when something small when you're that sick and not know it something small happens it really starts to unravel the patient because they're just mm -hmm. by a thread and then the family members around are like oh my god like what's happening like what's happening to my loved one because you see them deteriorating in front of their eyes and it's hard for them to comprehend from like a time perspective because they're like but a month ago they were healthy and now they're not and it's, it just goes too fast for everybody even talking about my own self, which by the way is extremely embarrassing. When my mom went to Penn to get evaluated for a heart valve surgery, it's so, from time to time I think about it, I'm like, really Natasha, you really thought that? Um, she couldn't walk up a flight of steps without getting short of breath, okay? But mm -hmm. that's how I had seen my mom forever. Like I've just never not seen her go up a flight of steps without getting short of breath, but that's what the heart valve issue caused. So tell me why when the cardiologist said, well, what's going on? Tell me the symptoms. I butted in and I was like, I'm like, well, when she, she goes up the flight of steps and she's a little, you know, she's short of breath. She, you know, stops a few times, but it's really not that bad. And he goes, not that bad. And I'm like, Oh, I, I guess. Mm. It's but it's so that was routine for you. That's what you saw. Yes. And I was a medical, I mean, granted, I was only a first year medical student. So we're allowed to, you know, we're allowed to not know stuff. <laughs> Cause I'm like, sure. 
really embarrassing, but it's just an example of even my own not recognizing when my mom was sick because, oh my God, was she sick? Because after she got the heart valve procedure, she, she's flying. She does right. a twice a, a twice a day. And I'm like, what are you doing with your girlfriends at Zumba? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> where well, she's now. And it's like, wow, it's pathetic that I failed to recognize that. My own mother. Why? Because that's just how I'd seen her. I just never, I never stopped to say, well, maybe this is a huge problem. So again, just because you don't see symptoms or you under-recognize symptoms, it doesn't mean that they're healthy. You do have to get checked up. I'm a really advocate for primary care. Even though I'm a doctor myself, I have a family doctor. My husband has his own family doctor. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister-in-law, all my family members have family doctors. What I think, again, is tragic is for those listening without health insurance, I know it's a huge barrier, but a, tip, a few tidbits for your listeners if you don't have health insurance. Number one, you can always call an office and ask for the out-of-pocket cost. Okay? So you can always maybe pay, I don't know, $100, $200, which I know is a lot for some people, but it's, it's an option. The second option is I'm really proud of this new generation of doctors who are really saying, screw you to the insurance company and starting practices like DPC or direct primary care practices, where it's kind of like a gym membership. You do pay a fee monthly and then um, you can see the doctor anytime you want to. Now it's not, um, it's a trend that's coming up. It obviously it's like you're going on your own and starting your own small business, which a lot of doctors can't do because we're usually two, $300,000 in debt. So it's right. challenging. Um, but again, this, I think the new generation of doctors who are more diverse, you know, there's more females going into med school these days and, and certainly more diverse. I mean, even in my own class, like there were moms who are now going to med school, people who are pharmacists. Uh, we had somebody in the military who then decided to go into medical school. So I think that this generation is very diverse. And I think medicine's changing for the for 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 the good for the good of everything. And um, so I advocate for getting checked out routinely. The other tidbit I tell people is, be prepared to be disappointed. Like sometimes there are long waits, and then it seems like you're rushed and whatever. I advocate for everybody to write down like what it is that you want to convey to your doctor. Like get the most out of this visit. It's your money and it's your time. Mm -hmm. You make sure that you are prepared. Okay. Um, and that's how I approach everything. Just write what is bothering you. Chest pain. Okay. Write down. It started this day and it's happening this often. My mom had this. My dad had this. What questions do you have? And make sure you know. Ask all these things at the start of the visit. Don't wait till the goodbyes because you want to make sure that you get the, your money's worth. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's those are the little things I advocate. When I talk about this stuff to my patients, they're like, "Oh, that's a really good idea." So I'm like, "Oh, maybe I should tell more people about it." Right. And you know what? Yes. Um, we thank you for that because we wouldn't know that if we weren't able to have you to have you on the show to tell our um, our viewers about this type of stuff. They wouldn't know. And we have a variety of people um, who are listening. So we want to thank you again, Natasha, for coming on the show. Um, this has been great. I don't know about you, Jay, but I, this was really really informative, um, especially because February again is is um, heart health month. And we just want to be able to put this out there for everyone who may think they have something going on or they know a family member or just mm. go to the doctor. So we just want to continue to go ahead and, and, and make that routine. So we want to thank you again for being yeah. part of the show. Yeah, just really quick. I mean, um, you know, a lot of this stuff could be very overwhelming. Um, 
either for families or even someone like myself who kind of just like doesn't really know how to navigate through the healthcare system and just uh, having information and not really believing everything that you see and kind of really digging for the truth behind um, what's really going on within um, the healthcare system. But having little things to kind of just have like a baseline of how to get through that and kind of just kind of getting started. I know for me, it's always hard to get started with anything, but as long as I have a baseline of where to begin, it makes the process a lot easier. So when you started doing uh, your Instagram stories and really putting out information and being open and direct about just information in general, but also very specifically heart disease, I was like, oh, this is great because as you get older, you, you know, your health is something that you really want to take care of. And, um, you know, I just, I was really happy that you're available to do it. And we go back like, you know, years. So it was, it was easy just to be like, hey, you, you want to do this? And you're like, yeah. So thanks again for coming on. We do Thank definitely you, appreciate Jay. it. Really appreciate so we, it. Uh, we always ask, is it is it okay for our viewers to follow you to get more information? Absolutely. I hope they do. And Lauren, I in the future, I'll send you some information that you can give to your listeners as well. I think you guys are really doing something fantastic here, really getting the community involved. And the way we fix our problems is by ourselves, like within the community, within the family, sure. right? Yeah. Um, to me, I'm not about complaining without doing something. So I'm, I'm thank, so thankful for you guys for giving me this opportunity. But I would love for people to follow me. And then also I'll give you guys some resources that you can publish um, on your, on your uh, website or YouTube or whatever so that more viewers can get more out of this, um, this talk. Thank you. So you guys, you will be able to find all of that information in the uh, inf um, the information box on our YouTube. And also we're going to put uh, Dr. Uh, her Instagram handle up here as well. So you can be able to follow her because I went on her Instagram page and she has a ton of information and she has videos and she is direct and straight. Yeah. To so well, real quick, real quick. What, what, what yeah, is the Instagram handle? Yeah. Let everybody know what it is right now. It's called healthyhearts.md. So it's healthy hearts and the little, you know, period in the middle and then MD. Cool. Bet. So, Jay, this has been amazing. Our first show, 2021 in the books. We got yeah. it together. Um, whew, I don't even remember our tagline. It's like, no, yes, I do. So <laughs> you guys know how this show ends. We thank you again for coming on Lauren Re Live and coming and tuning in with us. We'll be back with more uh, more interviews with more movers and shakers in the tri-state area. I'm so excited for what's to come in 2021 for the entire Water Ice crew. Shout out to Farrah. Shout out to Hector. Uh, we just want you guys to stay tuned. Make sure you follow us at waterice.com. We are your scoop to everything Philly. And never, ever forget, guys, not all superheroes wear capes. Sometimes, Sometimes they wear headphones. See you guys. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Peace out. See ya.